Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So it was definitely the fact that all of the hockey insiders were on vacation. Like it was a long weekend. Um, nobody's really tuning in because it was the middle of the off season. Because I didn't think uh, me outright asking Elliot Friedman for the AAV on Herodic's contract would actually be how that contract, the contract <laughs> details would be broken. <laughs> I'm not taking credit. I'm not. I made a stupid meme tweeting at Elliot because I think it's funny. Uh, and Elliot's funny, and I thought he'd laugh at it if he saw it. But then he actually, I don't know, did whatever he does to be a hockey insider and gave us the contract <laughs> details. Because <laughs> we were waiting for, what, like half an hour or something yeah. at that point? Here, stupid internet meme. Let me go do my job. <laughs> Contacts whoever he needs to contact. Hey, Steve, I got some idiot who is <laughs> tweeting pictures at me. Can I have the AAV? Thanks. Yeah, he did the beggar meme. Yeah. Yeah, it's that guy from that show. Yeah. Okay, sweet. It's just like 4.4 million. That's it. Yeah. Going back. I'm going back to vacation now. It's funny because even online, like uh um sites that like automatically aggregate tweets from like hockey insiders, some of them messed up. So all they did was populate my tweet with the stupid meme picture. I was like, oh, this is a disaster. That's not good <laughs> at all. Anyways. Uh, the Herona contract broke in the funniest way. Yep. That's, yeah. that's something. It's so the, uh, the weeks are backloaded with news lately. Like, I feel like every time we're within 48 hours of a podcast, the hockey world's like, oh shit, uh, there's a weekly winged wheel pod. They're only running one a week during the off season for main episodes. So let's get all, let's give them some news. We can't leave them barren. Exactly. It's, it's the universe working in our favor when we need it the least. And then when we need it the most, <laughs> they tell us where to stick it. Evan. Yes. Alive and well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've just been covered in dirt for like a week straight, digging and planting and moving and digging and replanting. See, so, he, the way he says that, it sounds like he's like building orphanages yeah. in Haiti and not installing a hot tub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was real tough work. I had to dig out a cedar bush and had to move it to the front or put it back in and move some sod around. Yeah, I'm a real, real man's man. <laughs> <laughs> all for a hot tub pad. Yes, yes. Well, it'll be nice because I'll be able to recover from all the the back pain I've created lifting all this with my hot tub. So, I will have sympathy for you, but I'm going to save it, and I will only release it to you if we get an invite to the hot tub. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Send it by carrier pigeon. Yeah. Well, at least we might actually get that message a little bit quicker than the uh, we respond in the group chat sometimes. That is true. Although I wouldn't even, I don't even want to harp on you. I think any one of us is liable to not talk for a while. It's the off season. Yeah. Firmly in the off season. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I am one of your hosts whose back is not sore today. Ryan Hanna, forced to actually respond in person. I'm Brad Crisco, <laughs> and I'm Evan. <laughs> Just finished literally cracking his back, <laughs> turning around in the chair. This is what's be- what's great about being in studio. Just this stupid shit like this. Yeah. Uh, like we mentioned on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, there's uh, some pretty big news in terms of, I mean, relative to offseason news, but even looking at it overall. Uh, Philip Ronick's contract came through. So that was the last major piece. Uh, major. There's still some work to be done. Uh, piece for the Red Wings um, as they 
are building out their roster heading into next season. So we'll talk about that. Uh, the NHL returning to the Olympics for the first time since 2014, uh, which is massive. And the end of the Yasperi Kotkaniemi saga, which also included a trade that I believe Evan was the one who brought up last time. So um, a little bit, you know, forecasted, but something that we can chat about. And I think there's been a lot of good conversation in the hockey world. I think I figured out what the most insignificant signing of the entire offseason has been. Was it the one that the Red Wings made earlier this week that I forgot to mention just yeah, now? <laughs> yeah. We all just till this moment forgot that Carter Rowney's now a Red Wing. So we also have that. It was such a depth move in the throes of the offseason that yeah. I, I didn't even bother tweeting about it. I, I just tweet- retweeted whatever you said and was like, that's yeah, good enough. I tweeted the most generic thing because I tried to like dig into who Carter Rowney was as a player. And I'm like, I don't care to do this. Oh, good. Jay Fresh pro- posted his player card. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Uh, before we jump into the news of the week, uh, we first want to talk to you about the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Uh, the more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative, and it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer, Ken Daniels, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Um, some news about the Wind Wheel podcast night at the LCA, which is happening at the uh, Montreal versus Detroit game on November 13th. We are looking at hopefully within the next week having that link live for everyone to purchase tickets. So apologies for the wait. Um, it's just sorting out all the details and the background stuff that has to happen setting up. Anyways, we won't get into all the the boring stuff, but uh, that is coming, so please stay tuned for that. Okay, uh, let's start with the big one before we go dive into the real big one, which is you know Carter Rowney. Uh, Philip Ronick signed to a three year contract at four point four million dollars per year. The Red Wings locked down their um, minute munching defenseman on the right side, who had a up and down season last year. Um, at what is now still the longest term remaining on any contract in Detroit, but still only three years. So what are our initial thoughts? That Stevie is really damn confident in his ability to re-sign RFAs, draft, and bring in free agents because I'm not concerned, not the right word, but legitimately, what is this team in four years? <laughs> okay, Evan, is the eventual Stanley Cup winning Detroit Red Wings, whenever that happens again, how much of it will be made up of the current team? Rough percentage. Okay, how many players are on the team? Let's say 20 players are on the team right now. I'd say five. And there's your answer. Yeah, because he knows that this isn't the team that's going to take him to the cup. But you and it's not to say that this team is, you know, inherently bad or this team is these players are unworthy, but the pioneers. Yeah, it's a process. It's an iterative process. And you can't have those iterations without flexibility. And that's what he's doing. I know. And it's it's insane because even it's so crazy that even non Red Wings Twitter is starting to notice. And that's when it gets fun. Yeah, because it's all the outside opinions coming in like. They have infinity cap space and no commitments. Like it's it's good. It's a good problem to have, but eventually it turns into the other side of that problem. 
Yeah, the that's a good point about non-Red Wings, like fans and commentators noticing this. Because before it was, it's always like middle of the season, everyone's like, oh, look how bad the Red Wings are. And Red Wings fans are just the that white cat squirrel meme with their hands up. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we know. Why are you surprised by this? <laughs> but now they're starting to understand like the accomplishment is stripping away all the, the rotten, broken parts. And so, I mean, again, we've talked about this crazy hard to do in the cap world. Um, Doing it in just over two years is impressive. It's not coming, you know, he hasn't worked miracles at every corner. Like there were buyouts and there's things like that, but they were tough decisions to make. Uh, but that's what Eisman's done. And to have that flexibility, yeah, like you are now at the top of the U turn, I think. You're at the top of the bend, turning the corner. Like you can now realistically look towards light at the end of the tunnel. You can realistically look towards, all right, now we're adding this piece and this piece is going to be part of the main core of a good team. Like that started, that kind of thinking is almost allowed, quote unquote, because you're not delusional for looking to the future because it's not so far away anymore. Should we pay any mind to the fact that we have Larkin, Verona, Hironic, Bertuzzi, all signed to really good contracts at either two or three with either two or three years remaining. We've all agreed that through this rebuild, some guys need to stick around long term. Like if I'm gonna if you're gonna tell me that, yeah, four to five Red Wings from this current roster are going to be Red Wings the next time they win the cup, I would say at least three of these four are gonna be in that group of five or six or mm-hmm. however many you want to. They're all going walking to UFA by the end of these contracts. Hironic, I'm not sure. Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Suter, Ernie, and um, who is it? Oster- Verona. Osterly. No, no, Verona's through Verona, Verona's a year later. Those guys are just named for okay. all UFA the same year. Yeah. So my, my, not concern isn't the right word, but like he's got to be, Stevie's got to be really confident that he's going to be able to coax some of these guys into kicking around at the end of the rebuild, which I think he'll do. He's done it a, a million times, but I don't, I don't know. I just find it weird because you would expect to see one guy locked in for longer than three years. And I, cause I don't ever remember in the history of the salary cap any team having a, cap outlook like this and it's more positives and negatives but it does come with some inherent risk yeah oh it, there's definitely risk like let and we're going to get into the specifics of heronic as a player here yeah. his contract in a second and there is risk but i think there's a proof of concept with what we've seen with eisman in tampa bay and detroit or mostly tampa bay he plays hard with his biggest name ufas he has his number and he sticks to it And, you know, he'll not – not every contract is perfect. I think there are some in Tampa Bay that people didn't love. But for the most part, he finds his number and he makes it work. That said, yeah, it's risky. Like, who says Larkin's not going to want a mega contract in 2023? Or, uh, yeah, the summer of 2023. Um, Seeing it work that many times and the result in Tampa Bay, I think he has the pedigree and the ability to get players to, to buy in. Like, we're going to start saying the Eisenman effect with contracts, and we should have probably started saying that a long time ago. I, a lot of people affiliate or created affiliations with, you know, team-friendly contracts in the state of Florida and zero income tax there, and that's definitely something to do with it. Like, it's not a non-factor. But And also that team was a contender through all these 
Of yes. course. But that in that latter part, it was what Eisenman's carrying over. He's like, hey, that's, that's what I'm going to build here. And so I need you to buy in. There is work to do. Like seeing this many red UFA symbols on cap friendly, you're like, geez, like that's going to be that's going to be tough. But it's that's the gambit. Like that's the price you pay. You want the flexibility. You you have to bet on yourself as a GM later. Also, I, I think kicking the UFA, the bigger money to later on when the cap is probably closer to rising again as we escape a, a, the COVID squeeze. That coupled with Detroit's mass amount of cap space lends towards Eisenman's favor there. So this actually, thank you for bringing that up because that's my transition to the one part of this where I will say I'm actually concerned in terms of the way this is shaping out. Not necessarily Heronic because he's younger, but you look at the other UFAs, they're all contracts due up in their late 20s. Mm-hmm. That is not, that is like the worst time to be signing pending or, you know, upcoming UFAs because that's when they massively get overpaid right as their careers start to decline. Because when Larkin, Bertuzzi, Verana, their next contracts come up, they're not going to be on the upswing of their career anymore. It's going to be going on the back turn. So you don't want to be overpaying them at that point. For at least part of the contract. For at least part of the contract, yeah. But then that comes with the caveat. Well, if you're doing it, okay, you are. If we pay Larkin at 27 years old or 28, whatever he's going to be, a seven-year contract at $8 million, that's fine. That'll probably be worth it for two to four years, you damn well better be a cup contender in those two to four years, not just a playoff. Yeah. A lot is going to ride on these next two drafts and a lot's going to ride on frankly, free agency over the next two years to see how close Detroit is to contending. Cause it it can work as we've saw with LA and Chicago specifically, you can massively overpay guys. Mm -hmm. It's going to screw your long-term cap. But if you get the cups in that window in the early part of their contracts, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to be upset. And it seems like that's what Stevie's building to. He's like, I know when our window is going to be. And it does seem to be lining up that way. So I'm going to give myself maximum flexibility there if I have to overpay these guys then. So so be it. Because we'll have he'll have a lot of ELCs of some top-end prospects. He'll probably be able to trade for this spare part, this depth filler, yada, yada, yada. Okay, now the cap is still good. We know it's going to be bad, but we got four years until we have to deal with that. Yeah. There's um, this, <laughs> what it keeps pointing to in my head is, like Evan said, most of the team's not going to be here when this team's contending again. And like Brad said, this team, a lot of the the major pieces are going to be, you know, 27, 28. So they're not all going to get seven, eight year contracts. What that points to is there's going to be more trades in the future. Yes. Because you don't want to lose, you, you do, <laughs> you don't need to lose UFAs for free. Like it's it's best practice to not. Um, there are sometimes where I think it's worth the, worth the risk if you're truly contending, but Detroit's of course not there. And there's of course you know sometimes deals or relationships go south and you couldn't predict it. But still, general practice, you don't lose those guys for free. The the next. I mean, you whispered content, Brad. We are not going to be hard-pressed for content for the next three years, even if Detroit doesn't sniff the playoffs, which is crazy to say. Yeah. Well, won't be good content. Or ha- <laughs> Has it ever been? <laughs> okay. It won't be happy content. <laughs> if we're at that point, people will be coming here for the Steve Dangle levels of rage and uh, misery loves company type vibes. Yeah. So welcome to the last six plus years of the Winged Wheel podcast. <laughs> um, so that was a long commentary, I guess, on the length of Hernick's contract of three years, which 
I mean, suffice it to say, we all think is good. RFA upon expiry, so there's still some control there for the team. Uh, 4.4 million. Now, I'm going to get the obvious answer out of the way. Detroit has an infinity dollars and the contract isn't uh, terribly long. So, again, I don't, as long as it's not an egregious overpay, I actually don't pay much mind to the dollars. But isolating that, just looking at the 4.4 million for Philip Ronick right now, what are your thoughts? It's fine. We, it's what a good middle pairing defenseman makes. And I think just about every Red Wings fan agrees Philip Ronick's a good middle pairing defenseman. He's not a one or two. He's just that on Detroit because, well, he's the best defenseman they have. So, which is, you know, good for him. Um, probably got a couple extra bucks on his contract because of that. Mm-hmm. We're still not fully sure what Philip Peronic is too. So you didn't want to pay him too much money, too much term and then find out, Oh, he's on the bad end of the scale um, of, from what we've seen, I should say. So yeah, it's good. It's a low risk contract. It gives them three more years to really establish who he is as a player. And hopefully for the back half of this contract, he'll be in a more appropriate role for him. So then they'll be like, okay, he is, actually a number two guy so let's pay him as a number two guy or it's like eh he's a middling middle pair guy let's pay him as such so we beat the flexibility to death but that's pretty much what this contract is it's Mm -hmm. it's reasonably short term reasonably low dollars while we figure out what the hell he is and what this team is and where he's going to slot on the team at the end of this contract because I can guarantee one thing at the end of his contract. He won't be playing the same minutes he is now, and he won't be holding down the same role he is now. I'm fine with the number, same as you. Um, I don't think it's a particularly low number, um, and I would like to see Philip Ronick have much more of his upswing games that we, I think we saw more towards the latter half of last season or latter third or portion of last season, if I'm remembering correctly, because obviously the way he started the year and for a lot of the the season um, in 2020, 2021, wasn't what we wanted from, from Philip Peronik as a step. He's a young defenseman. He's 23. And we have to remember that defensemen do generally take a longer time. So, um, I still have confidence that, like you said, Brad, he can end up being a really good middle pair guy. Um, a really good number three is an important player on this team. I think people have a tendency to look, if you're not talking top pair, you're not talking top line, their depth. I'm like, no, second pair is actually super important. And you made a good point, Brad. I think part of unlocking the next steps in his career are going to make sure that he's not pay- playing hard as possible matchups, 25 plus minutes a night. Guys need room to breathe. I mean, we're going to talk about Kotkaniemi in a minute. Kotkaniemi could still be a really good center in the NHL, but probably just needs uh, some isolation away from the the hardest competition um, and not playing insane minutes at a role that he's probably not mature enough for yet. So, And much like Hronik, his toughest competition might have been his coach. (laughs) Yeah, and and, oh yeah, the deployment of Hronik, you know, get him back to his office on the power play. That's actually the only thing I care about is get him back to that left wall fire those shots, put Verona, Zadina, Bertuzzi, Evan on the right side. I don't care. Um, you, actually, you don't have a bad shot. Um, just get him firing those one-timers. Get him just teeing up those shots from the left side. Yeah. Evan, your thoughts on the Ronick price? Yeah, it seems fine. Like, infinite cap space. It's basically what you're going to pay him. I'm sure his agent went in saying, well, who else do you got right now? <laughs> and he, he would be correct. So... 
it seems quite quite good. Still have some RFA control at the end of it. I think four point four is is a good amount for Philip Heronic at this time. I like to think Heronic's entire negotiating tactic was he just printed off the Red Wings roster and then wrote four to five at the bottom of the page and yeah. slid it over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, the flexibility, again, that's the crux of this whole deal, and that's what makes it um, amenable to people. This, I understand. I understand that a lot of analytics do do a pretty good job of isolating for quality of the team and quality of the teammates. That said, there's still so much within, like, the analytics world where people are, like, looking into them, but they don't have context of who the Red Wings are. And they actually think that Heronik is one of the worst defensemen in the league. Or they actually think that Zadina was the worst player in the Red Wings. And anybody who's watched 0.1% of a Red Wings game last season knows that's not the case. I mean, I don't think Heronik had a particularly good year. But it's these snapshots in time without any context forward or backwards are sometimes just a little bit like my eyes twitch. So He's really good when there's no goalies in the net. That's true. Yeah, we so didn't if even- the Wings are going to be bad and other teams... Well, I guess the Wings would have to be good. The other teams would pull their goalie, yeah. and he would score more. So you make the as the Red Wings get better, Rona gets better. That's why yeah. he's good from the OV spot because he's winding up for the one timer before the goalie gets there. He's actually winding up from our own end. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't uh, look at the net. He looks a hundred feet past it, imagining it's an empty net, and that's why he shoots so damn hard. <laughs> <laughs> Goalies are like, oh shit. <laughs> So uh, that's that locked up. Carter Rowney, um, depth piece, who's going to play at the bottom of the lineup, probably going to be a 13th guy a lot of the time, probably going to go up and down a lot of the time. Brad Smiling, because oftentimes he's going to be used as a, I don't know, energy penalty kill. He is a good penalty killer. He is. uh, According to his underlying numbers, he actually is a good penalty killer, unlike everybody who thought Glenn Denning and Helm were actually good penalty killers this last season. Last season, yeah. Yeah, last season. They were. They were not. Most people were writing this off as AHL depth. And no, he's played most of his career and all of his career recently in the NHL, at least from what I can remember. So he's probably an NHLer. Uh, You would think the 13th forward. My hesitation comes from uh, Carter Rowney's profile is very similar to Luke Glenn Denning's. Yeah, well. And we saw how Luke Glendening was used. Um, so I have concerns that Rowney is going to play too much, but that is not a fault on Rowney. I like Rowney as a player because he is what he is. Outstanding defensive metrics. He is a black hole offensively. Fine. You can absolutely handle a couple guys, like one or two guys like that on your lineup. And with the big roster turnover the Red Wings had, they really didn't have a guy like this which i was super thrilled about but hey you know one isn't bad and if it was going to be anyone might as well make it a guy who shoots right yep that's exactly it comes in at 825 the minimum i think yeah um shoots right uh was injured for most of last season so yeah. that was kind of shitty but yeah seemed to be liked where he was i, I mean I, I know a lot of anaheim fans were really pulling for him to to stick around there um kills penalties and like I mean, I'm only half joking when I say this, but Adam Ernie graduated from that spot and he now has a role probably a little higher in the lineup and uh, they got rid of Glenn Denning and Helm. So there are some, you do need some of that. Sorry, need is a word. (laughs) Rosters generally have some of that. Like, you know, this guy's only job is to go out there and have a key kill. And 
I am not going to be worried about how much he plays until I see it. Are you probably going to be right, Brad? Absolutely. But um, the world is burning, and so there's only so much I can be preemptively stressed well, about. Well, we talked about – I don't remember if it was on an episode or a Patreon exclusive. Like, the Red Wings actually had a depth problem at forward. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they needed a guy because you generally want to carry 14 forwards, and assuming you didn't want a healthy scratch Joe Valeno every night, they needed another guy for, at the very least, the press box. So, if if it's him and Witkowski are the guys in Cleary's cabana most of the night, most nights, fine. If it's kind of rotating between those two and someone who's struggling, like if Ernie or Giovanni Smith or Nemesnikov have a bunch of off nights, fine. Yeah, it's it's a guy who can plug and play when you need him to, which I'm okay with. If some of the young guys don't develop like we hope they would, if Mitchell Stevens isn't what we think he is, okay, there's a. A guy you can substitute it for. My only, my literal only concerns with this signing revolve around Jeff Blashill, not Carter Rowney. Um, yeah, and like, and I get it. I'm just, I'm just thinking. Let's just, let's just wait and see, because there are there are options at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah. Um, and you just alluded to that. There's going to be a lot of cycling through, and I'm 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 very curious to see what sticks here, in terms of how that bottom six shapes up and who typically is in and who typically is out. Also of note, Dylan Larkin, uh, Pew Suter, Robbie Fabry, Vlad Nemesnikov, Michael Rasmussen, um, Mitchell Stevens, Carter Rowney, Sam Gagne even, and Joe Valeno are all players who could potentially play center. Like, <laughs> Eisenman looked at these Red Wings of the past where they had to grab, like, a right winger in the e-bug to have them as second and third line centers and went, no, no, no. They might not be the best centers in the world, but we're making sure the guys who are playing center are actually centers. Yeah. I, I just think that's – even when the Red Wings get slammed with injuries and, you know, players aren't performing, they're going to make sure that the lines at least make some kind of sense. That's comforting. Who knows if it'll, like, translate, but it's it's good to know that you're not going to have to – pull a winger who otherwise is good into a center role and the whole line just falls apart. A good center can play a wing. A good winger can't always play center. Yeah. Also, I thought about it a lot. I've been thinking about this a lot. If Joe Valeno's in the lineup, it doesn't force him to play center. So if he needs time to adjust, he can comfortably play on the wing next to like a Pew Suter, Robbie Fabry, Vlad Mesnikov, and Michael Rasmussen and be okay. Yep. Totally fine. All right. That's Red Wings news. Real Red Wings news. I think there's more to come on. Um, who is it? Giovanni Smith still needs to be signed. And that's pretty much it. That's actually all that's left, I'm pretty sure. Unless something cool. Extra I happens. look forward to talking about his two year, $950,000 contract. <laughs> who do you think you are, Prashanth? <laughs> he has nailed so much of that pre offseason plan. <laughs> and I think the 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 feather on the cap of Heronix being exactly right. I I that was the first time I thought, okay, what do you know that we don't? <laughs> Steve Eisenman's negotiating tactic is just sliding that article across the table. <laughs> <laughs> he actually just teleconferences Prashant then. Um okay, let's jump over to some international news. The Olympics are returning for the NHL and the NHLPA, or I guess I should have phrased that um differently. But anyways, NHL players are back to the Olympics. Uh the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics will feature a true best on best once again. Um provided that, you know, conditions are safe and nothing crazy goes wrong. Yeah, I can't really wait to see the best of, that China has to offer. Uh, that group, man. Is it does it make me an asshole 
that I'm almost the most excited to watch the China games. It is. Because <laughs> it's going to be something we've never seen before. Can, well, Itali- they- wasn't Italy like really bad too? Or was Not that? The- Italy's like top 20 in the world. China's like 32. Did Italy pull, who did they pull off a tie against Switzerland or something? Yeah, they, Italy <laughs> they shut has- down the country for four weeks. <laughs> Italy has very, very recently qualified for the world championships. Like they are. Well, what about in 2014 or whenever they hosted the Olympics? The Turin was 2006. Yeah. God damn your old. Whatever, whatever, man. But uh, no, Italy's not like a hockey power, but they are. They are a competent hockey country. But were they in 2006? No, but it wasn't like well, they this, were man. further ahead of where China is now. Like there, there was no talk about legitimate concern about 30 to nothing <laughs> games against Italy, and that is happening right now. <laughs> Could, it's like it's like Connor McDavid going up against a beer league team. It's might even be worse. Like McDavid's gonna play at thirty percent and score nine. There's always goals. those guys who like get for like citizenship who are Canadian and end up playing in like a Chinese hockey league, but they're from like Can Loops or something. I like think that. that's Brandon Yip for them. I think I heard he might be playing, but. Still, they don't have many of them. Even that's surprising. <laughs> yeah, the who is it? The Kazakhstani captain for years and years has been Nigel Dawes. Yeah, <laughs> KHL legend Nigel Dawes. Be- oh, uh, Belarus's assistant captain recently was Shane Prince. <laughs> Not good. W- w- Canada, it's Canada, USA, Germany, Italy. You imagine what Austin Matthew shot's going to do to China's goalie. I actually think we're going to see. Like you think Connor McDavid skates fast now? Wait till you see him against China. <laughs> Imagine what Mo Sider is going to do to one of these forwards coming up the boards. <laughs> it's gonna. It's actually going to be worse than when he played in Sweden. And they're I, like in Sweden, he, it looked like he was ragdolling people, and they just like I don't know. They weren't used to playing against a giant man of an 18, 19 year old. He manhandled them. He ragdolled them. He's going to do the same thing. I actually think you're going to see teams take their foot off the pedal after the first 10 oh, minutes. absolutely. You think they're making it 10 minutes? I think this is going to be a rest day for all the top players, and it's still going to be 12 nothing. Like, <sighs> like, like uh, John Cooper is going to play Connor – or John Cooper, whatever. Uh, he's going to play Connor McDavid six minutes, they're gonna he'll work, have nine points. It's going to be a live practice for all the teams who play against China to tune up, find the chemistry because and, and use that to focus on the for, the harder c- opponents. For China's sake, I hope plus minus isn't a tiebreaker in this tournament. The IIHF has actually been rumored to be like really concerned and like our, you know, I yeah. think you met you th- I think you said like maybe we shouldn't do this. China, yeah. maybe we should bow. Anyways, the groups are group A is Canada, USA, Germany, China. Group B is Russia, Czech Republic, Switzerland, Denmark, and Group C is Finland, Sweden, Slovakia, and Latvia. Um, I don't really pay much mind to the world ranks. Um, I'm looking forward to Canada's offense versus the United States defense. That's going to be really good, eh? Yeah, because like, it, it's comical how definitively different these teams are. Like Canada, like the United States offense is good, doesn't hold a candle to McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon. But then Canada's defense doesn't hold a candle to Hughes, Carlson, and and their other murderers row that they've got back there. Yeah, and the U.S. definitely has an. I'm very interested. Too. I'm very interested to see 
how Germany starts to stack up now that their prospects are now coming into the professional ranks and how Germany really stands up in the pro hockey world. Um, I, th- I, I don't think it'll be... I, I would be shocked if they beat the U.S. or Canada, but I think it'll they'll be very competitive. It'll, but it will be very interesting to see where they've sort of come in over the past five years or so as these top highly touted prospects start to play pro hockey. I think the next Olympics is going to be the better benchmark for them because most of their top players now are going into their first or second season in the NHL. Like their top defenseman is Mo Sider. When's the Olympics so, again? What, what year? Next year? Next year. Yeah, January, yeah. February, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's usually around February. I actually yeah. don't have the exact dates in front of me. Um, so they, those are the groups and they're going to play all play each other once. And then you, we get into like the, the, uh, what's it called? Qualification rounds and, and tie breaks and everything will come into play. I'm sure with, you know, a three game round Robin or whatever it is. So every team plays uh, the other teams in a group once. When the pre- preliminary round is finished, uh, they'll be re-ranked from 1 to 12 for the medal round. The top finishers in each group and the second-ranked team with the best record will get a bye to the quarters while the other eight teams play a qualification round. And then you move on from there. Um, Red Wings that are probably going to be most likely to make The it. Czech Republic. Yep, the Czech Republic. The so, Czech Republic. <laughs> you have, obviously, uh, Verona, Hronik uh, Zadina probably being in there. You have Nemesnikov maybe for Russia. Oh, probably for Russia. Um, Moritz Sider, we can probably count on going for Germany. And I say he, probably. It's, he might get a letter, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Larkin for the States. Yep. Um, Pew Suter for Switzerland. Yep. And then who knows what happens with the Swedes? I mean, that's going to be a strong team, right? So Yeah, you real long shot, but not crazy to think Raymond or Bergeron, if they get some NHL time this year, could be even an AP for that team. Yeah, I think Sweden typically goes with mature yeah. veteran yeah. who have, you know, sort of paid their dues to the Swedish national team. Yeah, 100%. So there's going to be... Um, It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. And, of course, the way that season starts is going to dictate a lot of it, too. Um, you know, let, let's say in a crazy world, Lucas Raymond makes his team and is leading the scoring race going into November. That might influence things. Now, that's a pretty much just a wet dream for Red Wings fans, what I just said, so <laughs> don't count on it. Um, outside of, like, the joking about China, Canada, USA in the same group um, harks back to 2010, where I think that's the last time that happened, which is going to be fun as hell. Yeah, um, it's going to be. I didn't realize how much I missed it, and I you you only missed one Olympics without it, but that still makes it eight years since the last time we saw a real best on best. What time of the games on at like two a.m. Yeah, we'll oh, see how great. They I'll, I'll it definitely out. be awake for those. <laughs> That's going to be a PVR I'm watching in the morning before work. <laughs> we'll see how they schedule them because they'll know where most of their viewers are, and sometimes they try to tweak it to to accommodate for that, like. Different events have different, obviously, different parts of the world will pay attention to the sport. So we'll see all that. I still um, remember waking up at 6 a.m. to watch Canada, Sweden in the 2014 because they, they timed yeah. it for like, I think it was a 6 or 7 a.m. 6 a.m. Star. star, yeah. Yeah. And my whole family was up at 6 a.m. and we're just not morning people. <laughs> just that was the most silent the Hannah family has ever been. <laughs> Everybody, like all my friends, and we're like, are we gonna get together and watch this? I'm like, absolutely not. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, Chris and I have a TV in the bedroom, so I'm setting my alarm for 5:59, and we are just rolling over and turning the TV on. Yeah. So we'll 
we're going to be chatting, especially on Patreon exclusives, about uh, potential rosters and and debating who makes obviously the major teams: uh, USA, Canada, Sweden, Russia, so on. Um, we'll be monitoring what happens with the Chinese team. Are they going to bend the rules to allow different foreign nationals to come in? Rumor this week was they're standing pat. And maybe maybe you allow some rule bending here as a like extenuating circumstance to say we don't want to see these guys lose by 50 maybe just 20 <laughs> no i screw that no no exceptions i no mercy. want to say 42 yeah. to nothing here i don't know what the olympic record is for uh beating i want it's to see prob- a it's probably year. insane like the actual oh. all-time yeah there's probably like a 1918 canada over uh yugoslavia like Nope. 98 to 1. During qualification for the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver, Slovakia defeated Bulgaria. Guess the score. I've seen this before. 98 nothing. Oh, is that actually it? No. Oh, uh, it's cl- 72 nothing. 82 nothing. Yeah. I I saw the I watched the highlights of that. It legitimately looked like an NHL was team it? against the beer. I think team. that was the was that the women? That was the women. Yeah. yeah, well, I was going to say, wasn't there like a women's game where it was like just out of control? The one team looked like they had players who were learning to skate as recently as the previous yeah. year. That, yeah. That's yeah. a bloodbath. I don't know how you let it get that bad. That's why you can't go by plus minus. I think we can challenge it this year. I think if Canada doesn't take it easier, the States <laughs> decides to just uh, ride Matthews and Eichel for 30 minutes, we could see it. Oh, we could see it before 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Jesperi Kotkaniemi offer sheet. The saga is over. The Montreal Canadiens have decided to not match. Oh, you poor sweet child. Do you think it's over? Do you think they're going to offer sheet back? You think they play each other this year? You're asking a lot of questions that I don't know the answer to. <laughs> um, anyways, the, the Montreal Canadiens received a first and a third round pick from Carolina as a compensation for their previously discussed $6.1 million-ish million dollar contract for um, Yasperi Kotkaniemi. So a successful offer sheet, which, which we almost never see. Montreal, obviously down a centerman, went out and, as we discussed last episode, and you brought this up, Evan, um, went and acquired from the Arizona Coyotes Christian Dvorak um, for a 2022 conditional first and a 2024 second round pick. The condition on the first is that it's going to be the better of Montreal or Carolina's 2022 first. But if either or both are top 10 picks, then Montreal will instead transfer to Arizona, the worst of the two. So it's some top 10 protection, essentially. Yeah. Um, okay. I think this was surprisingly sensible for Montreal. I think Carolina got, I think Carolina did, did get their way here. Like, I don't think they were just out here to, to poke the bear. I think they genuinely wanted to snipe cock and yummy away and stick the finger to Mark Bergevin in Montreal. Um, and Montreal got Dvorak. I, I'm having a hard time seeing anyone who outright lost here. Because Arizona even got a good haul for Dvorak. Yeah, Montreal probably was the biggest loser of them all just because they downgraded their picks. So they had to give up a first and a third. Or they gained a first and a third for Kotkaniemi and then had to give up the better of their two firsts and a second round pick. So little value lost there. Christian Dvorak's the better player right now. Mm-hmm. So they upgraded in the short term. Kotkaniemi could be the better player in the long term still. 
uh, Mark Bergevin at this moment does not give a shit because he might not be the general manager still when Kotkaniemi gets good. So he does not give a crap about that right now. So he's happy. Maybe not with how it all played out, but in the end result, Carolina got a player they're overpaying now, but apparently have a better deal, long-term deal in their back pocket for less dollars. Arizona continues to acquire every single pick in the 2022 draft. And uh, yeah, far less to rip on than I was hoping for when this was uh, initially brought forward. Maybe this is a template for offer sheets to come that work out for everyone and people do some more offer sheeting. It's a unique circumstance, though, because most years there's there's not going to be an Arizona going full uh, nuclear. Let's introduce you to the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> they consistently <laughs> rebuilding for 20 years. Bonjour. <laughs> yeah, but even Arizona is like aggressively yeah. nuclear right now. Everything must go. And yet they somehow still have Phil Kessel. I think they're down to like four guys who are now controlled over the next three years in terms of contracts. So they're cleaning house. Very quickly. Yeah, I mean, and they had no picks, so like having to restock oh, like that. <laughs> they've got no one to blame but themselves for that. Yeah, they have the most picks in the NHL right now, which is crazy to think they started with the least. So the since fewest. they have all the picks, can they just have those um, combines whenever they want now, <laughs> legally? Well, they're actually saving them all up. It's like a Chuck E. Cheese. You save up enough. You, you can get the little army men, but they're actually trying to save all their picks and cash it in for an arena. Oh, yes. So. That's, a good, that's a great idea. <laughs> the draft yeah. lottery is just going to be the Red Wings sitting there going, well, congrats on your first second overall, unless we get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think picking up Dvorak, like, Kat Kinemi, there's a lot to be said about his development in Montreal with what they asked him to do. The way they handled a third overall pick, how this all went down, I, I think that's just an outright loss for them. It doesn't matter what they ended up with in the end. That is just bad asset management, and this could have been terribly worse for them if there wasn't a Dvorak out there. And uh, Or, you know, say he signed it, they were in a tighter spot, and they got him for even less compensation in return. They ended up with Dvorak, who's the better centerman right now that caught Kinyemi. And this this is to me is why you just take best player available yeah. in the draft rather than trying to fit a need that you have for a player who probably won't be that like won't be available will still be developing for two years especially him because he really had to add size and and get you know used to that yeah it's yeah the whole Kotkaniemi and Montreal relationship never really worked out to me it always felt like they were just against the grain with it so the fact that it's now over is probably a relief to literally everyone um except the fans who had grown to really enjoy him as a player on the team yeah Dvorak's better now Kakinami could be better eventually but we don't know they gotta play they're playing off certainty because they're I'll I'll say it in win-now mode. Depends <laughs> how you feel about that. I know how I feel. For better or worse, they're in yes. win-now mode. They're in win-now win mode. Um, I I just don't – I don't think it's a great piece of work by Mark Bergevin, but, you know, Carolina said, we're going to offer sheet him. What can you do? And he, he turned – said, go for it. And he put himself in this position. So, I suppose it's – thank God – there's an Arizona hanging around to trade an asset to you. But if there wasn't, it would have been a terrible piece of management. Man, they needed depth centers. If only Detroit had a bunch of those. <laughs> yeah, if only we had 17. Yeah, okay, maybe they're not all the best center, but if you glue a bunch of them together, they're actually not too bad. Yeah. 
Um, imagine being a Montreal fan. You're you're going from the crazy season that they had, um, looking like you might actually miss the playoffs after being a sure bet to slide in there, scraping your way in, going through this insane playoff run, making it to the Stanley Cup Finals before losing to a, a powerhouse team that even rabid Montreal fans could not be upset about. And then all of a sudden, your franchise goalie, who people were talking about being overpaid and was a hindrance to the team, was the the major reason why you even made a cup run. Then maybe Seattle was going to take him because they left him exposed. And that whole saga came through. And it really looked like for a hot minute that they were going to take him, but that he ended up staying. And then... The Logan Mayu pick. The Logan Mayu uh, drama. And now the... Um, <laughs> your your centerman, one of your centermen of the future and your third overall pick over the likes of Kachuk Zadina and I mean with some retconning Quinn Hughes um, gets sniped away on an offer sheet which hasn't been successful in roughly a thousand years. Like 2007 was the last successful offer sheet. For a fan base that's usually pretty like subdued, like think of the most like, yeah, that's whatever fan base in the world. They'd be losing their minds. The Montreal Canadiens fan base, and I say this with only love in my heart as a hockey fan, are rabid and just always ready to fly off the chain. How many heart attacks have happened in the great province of Quebec because of the last however many months? Yeah, and I hate I, – I was thinking about this earlier today while I was uh, knees deep in some dirt. <laughs> so, you know what? Imagine what the Montreal Canadiens would be like with Brady Kachuk. Like if they just, I I don't even know if he would be the consensus pick there because there's Quinn Hughes. It was Zadina at the time. I thought it was Zadina too, but I I don't know. Closer to the draft, it did become Kachuk. I will say. No, well, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. Ottawa. I will. Yeah, it, of it was not. Zadina was the damn near unanimous number three in that draft. I, yeah, I have a hard time picturing Zadina six, being successful in Montreal. No, he they play a very similar system to Detroit, so it would be pretty much the same thing. <laughs> and they didn't have centermen for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Played with. but I feel like Brady Ch- Kachuk would have been that you know type of emotional player that Montreal fans could really latch on. Then they've got like the wrecking ball of Brady Kachuk, uh, Brendan Gallagher. They got um, Josh Anderson as well. Like <laughs> they'd be banging bodies around, and you know they got a guy who has now grown to be like loved the city of ottawa or he would have been in montreal like that whole pick trying to go and get your centerman has really not worked out and it hasn't it hasn't totally worked out for arizona because they took barrett hayton right in that draft and that's yeah. when we were like yeah they we really knew so time will still tell on that but still hasn't worked out to this minute all i can picture now is a line of Anderson, Kachuk, and Brennan Gallagher, and just imagining the Dansbury trashers in my head. I don't know what that is. Nobody, you guys haven't seen the Untold Crime and Penalties on YouTube yet? No. Oh, not on YouTube, on Netflix? No. Watch it. That good? That good. It is, dude, it's a professional hockey, minor hockey league team in the States that was bought by a mob boss for his 17 year old son to run. I think I've heard of this, but I haven't. Is it fictional? No. <laughs> Which makes it... Mike Rupp played for them for a season. Holy shit. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Like, yeah. this is very much a thing that happened, and it is a ride. In Russia, they call that a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, Carolina side of this offer sheet. There's a lot to be said about, you know, Carolina and how good they are and how much they should be contending. And... um. 
I think if their goalie situation holds, this team is horrifying to play against. Imagine how sick you will feel as a Montreal Canadiens fan if they truly unlock Kotkaniemi over these next few years because he's going to extend for a contract cheaper than 6.1 that he's on right now. Um, Four to five or whatever, however many million dollars it is for however many years. Um, Imagine they unlock him playing with the incredible talent that they have on that team. You would feel sick to your stomach as a Habs fan. Well, it could happen. It Honestly... It's up in the air. And even if it doesn't happen, this isn't actually that bad of a play. Like, it's 6.1 for one year, and then the price is going to come down. The first and the third is a heavy price to pay, but that's a first and a third for a playoff team. Like, those aren't very, very high picks. And shit, you have to – you look at Tampa Bay. You can't just be good or great. You have to keep adding even when it seems like you have everything you need. So, is it an overpay? Yeah, was it was there a lot of drama and and personal context to this? Absolutely. You know, Dundon made that no secret. And they can walk this back all they want. It's still very obviously a major driver of this. But they just added Kotkinyemi, a very young Kotkinyemi who's still only 21 years old, to a team that's ready to contend for a cup now. Like not a bad move at all, in my mind. The best thing for him is He's now not under the spotlight. Yeah, exactly. And I think I read something that somewhere someone said they're going to start him at the wing. Yep. So, you know, play a little bit easier role. He can get comfortable, learn his line mates, learn what Carolina is all about. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he has a, a moderate success this year in, in Carolina. Playing with Ajo and playing with uh, Teravine and like Carolina – that is is also really important for um, a young player's development, feeling comfortable in the locker room. So I think that is an advantage that they have as well. Anyways, like I said, I really don't think there's losers in this situation. With the way it played out and, you know, you look bigger picture, yeah, absolutely. I think Montreal kind of comes out, out of the butt end of the stick here. But still. Time will tell. Time will tell. Um, all right. Anything else before we jump into overtime here? Um. No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, "Oh wow, Evan has something." What's uh, what are we waiting for? Okay. Uh, overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com/slash Winged Wheel Podcast uh, help support the show and um, feed Evan. I don't know muscle relaxants and just pure protein powder at this point is all Please. we need to keep his body going. I uh, know we really appreciate all the patrons who. Um, help support the show and keep the engine running. Uh, Taylor uh, Fetig says, Hey boys, new patron Taylor, welcome to the wing grill podcast family. And thank you for the support says been listening since the Zadina draft and figured it's about time. I chip in. My question is what are your thoughts on trading for hurdle? He wants out of San Jose and fits a direct position of need. He's older than our core at 27, but could be a good veteran when the team is contending again. I'm not big on the premium it would take to pry Hurdle away from San Jose, and especially now that they just watched the price for Dvorak, who's admittedly younger, um, to go to Montreal. Uh, I don't know if I'm a big fan of giving up assets to bring him in right now. Maybe if the team gets way better on short term, I'd consider it. Until he signs, my preference would be overpay for Barkov versus giving up premium assets for somebody who's around the same age. Um, Drake Moore says, if you had to trade one of Moore at Cider or Lucas Raymond to the Leafs in exchange for only future considerations, who would it be and why? I choose death. I, 
I think it would have to be Raymond. Because I <laughs> I think Sider would do too much good in a big public way for that team. Could you imagine Lucas Raymond with Austin Matthews? So it would not be good. God, no. Uh oh, and yeah, the Sider reaction. Sorry. I've we Believe it or not, we actually just all bury ourselves in Evan's backyard for seven days and just wake up for the podcast. That's, that's where we're all at mentally. As long right as you're taking dirt out for my hot tub pad, I'm all good. You have to stop saying hot tub pad. People will, will kill not. you. You will be the first to go in the in the class uprising. Okay. <laughs> Don't tell me. Until then, I'm going to have a great time near my hot tub pad. Uh, Donner, Connor Dukes says, new subscriber here too. Welcome, Connor, and thank you for the support. We really appreciate you, man. Says, who nets more wins this year, Grice or Nedeljkovic? Oh, Ned. Nedeljkovic. Well, we said that pretty confidently, so let's hope that that doesn't turn around and bite us. Uh, Nedeljkovic, barring injury. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi says, um, are we planning on doing a meetup before the home opener? The situation is very fluid. We will keep you posted as uh, we have more information on how border crossing and stuff is going to work. So stay tuned on that one. Uh, Arjun Shanker says, what about Stahl or someone gets an A for one season while Cider tests the water and then giving it to him next year? He was captain for Germany, right? In juniors? Yep. Yeah, I, I actually think that's a fine strategy. Sure, why not? Um, Mark Chandonet says, Hey, new supporter here. Mark, a lot of new patrons really appreciate you guys. Welcome to the, uh, winged wheel podcast family says been listening since your interview with Ken Daniels banger episode, by the way, figured it was time to support the pod. If you could bring back any player that played for the wings in the past in their prime and drop them on the roster, who would it be? And why Steve Eisman solves the center problem. <laughs> Steve Eisman solves the center problem. Nick Lidstrom solves having the group arguably the greatest centerman to ever play the game absolutely greatest centerman in modern times to ever play the game for your team problem and uh gordy howe solves the defenseman what yeah what did i say centerman i meant oh god my brain. hey hey why did we just draft edvins in there huh <laughs> huh anyways i meant defenseman um Although I think Nick could probably like knowing Nick Litzer, he could probably play center reasonably. Honestly, he'd yeah. Gordy Howe bringing back one of the greatest players to ever play. Terry Soch. Yeah, there's just so many. Dom Hashik and his prime. Oh God. Steve fills the biggest need. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, he's kind of already there. So. <laughs> Mine was Gordy. Uh, Colorado Fourteener says, "I wonder if Jim Benning has had a few more sleepless nights now that an offer sheet has actually gone through for the first <laughs> time since Evan was leaning against a gymnasium wall at a grade seven dance." History says Pedersen is staying where he is, but I'm a little less sure of that now than I was last week. That I sat down at the dances. Let me let me clarify you, that you weren't schmoozing on the dance floor. I have no idea what I was doing as an awkward grade seven. What do you do at weddings? You dance. I need to get so inebriated to yeah. dance. Does cat dance? Nah, we're kind of the same. Mm, it's good. It's sad how vividly I can remember the grade seven and eight dances, how all the fast songs, it was just the same group of like eight girls dancing in the middle until the slow songs. And then everybody slowly awkwardly waddled towards each other. <laughs> Cause like, Hey, we can all do this. Was it black and white back then? I think that's when you were in Greece. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it was basically the first episode of WandaVision, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Tyler C. says, um, about Eichel, anyone know what the penalty would be if Eichel just went and got the surgery he'd wanted? Would they void his contract? Isn't that what he wants? Or is that too much money to gamble with? Or maybe uh, the doc wouldn't do it because Buffalo could sue him. Anyways, keep up the great work. Keeps me sane in the rare moments the kids are quiet. So that's a little bit of a legal 
uh, question and Buffalo would certainly have the right to terminate the contract, but I don't, don't see a reality where they would. They'd probably seek punitive damages in which i don't know i i, I don't know the mechanisms do they Maybe they could just straight up sue eichel i don't know yet for like you know money back the the relationship is torched at that point you say no then we're owed some salary back um there's a lot that you can do there and i think you're right you you would have a hard time finding a lot of doctors who'd be willing to do it but the doctors aren't tied to the the cba so they couldn't be sued no yeah, they can i'm not a lawyer evan's a lawyer i only play one on tv <laughs> this is why i don't believe you when you're slow to respond to shit i'm like i know you're quick i read everything you send that's worse and quickly i probably see it quicker than you think i actually know you do because stuff that actually like really truly like either you like or needs to be engaged with you're quick on the draw brad actually i think tosses his phone out of his car window (laughs) and drives slowly along the highway on the way home and picks it up and then answers messages i think we'd probably have a a definitive reason why this stuff happens if we all said our what our weekly screen time report is yeah that would probably give away the reasons let's why. not do that i've never in my life wanted to not work on a screen more than right i think now. it'd be easier to say what my screen non-screen time is 100 percent. my phone keeps telling me they're like your screen time is up i'm like i work from home <laughs> over under four hours a day oh Dude, oh there's God. there's the answer I needed. I four hours not working. <laughs> okay, oh God. there's the answer because I'm heavily in the under on that. I <laughs> I'm pretty sure my screen time like it, it'll count. Um, what's it called? I th- I actually might have turned it off because I wanted to stop seeing it because I can't control it. <laughs> oh, when I do- my work setup is completely set up with my own computer, I have five screens yeah. going all oh on <laughs> god yeah my screen time is literally off it just yeah, it's turned pro- itself off it's like i can't help you anymore no i did it in the past because i'm like i can't control this i use this for work so no uh yeah you don't want to know the number okay um ghost of podcast past says um i know the cider draft reaction i have to dig it it's on a hard drive i'm sorry i don't i'm not perfect they're asking for the cider draft reaction video these guys are like Riley Shahan. They show promise, but they never deliver. I kid, I quit, I kid. My question I want to ask of all of you, how do you think the unthinkable with an iceberg? I don't get that. Oh, uh, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Am I, I sup- sink the unsinkable with an iceberg? How do you think the unthinkable with an iceberg? Oh, settle down, Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah um nick geyer says hey guys just throwing it out there that we're only over a month away from regular season red wings hockey and i couldn't be more excited with that in mind we're still likely going to be rough this year so i ask what are we drinking i'm leaning towards some buffalo trace whiskey for the season hopefully it won't be a tequila season if you know what i mean oh if i'm having tequila during a game there's no more coverage i think this is the year i upgrade upgrade from bleach so i'm taking you as a win already (laughs) Uh, Darup says, would it make sense to go to Benning about Pedersen in the form of a trade first? And how would this potentially work with compensation? That's the logical sense here because Vancouver is in win now mode again. (laughs) What you think of that, uh, is irrelevant. They are in win now mode. So you could probably, instead of giving up four future pieces, maybe get away with, you know, again, not that. We want to get rid of him, but that could be a trade centered around Larkin instead of the 2022 first. And 
as much as we love Larkin, the 2022 first is more valuable at this point. So, oh, that's a big statement, Brad. Cause that it's Red Wings- probably top 10 in a draft that's looking to be heavy in the top 10 with the possibility of Shane Wright. I'm not saying it will be better than Larkin, but I'm talking about as the value of an asset, even throwing in the possibly Shane Wright ups the value. I don't, I don't think I can agree on that. I think there. I think the statistically, okay. the possibility of Shane Wright is so small. So let, let's do a thought experiment. Give me a team that's going to be really bad this year. That's not Buffalo or Arizona. Uh, Anaheim. You, they're offering you their first straight up for Dylan Larkin right now. Do you do it? No. I think I would. I'd probably not either. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to get a centerman, man. Like, what's the guarantee? That it's you're center gonna- heavy this draft. Yeah, but uh, that's all. You're betting a lot of certainty on uncertainty. I'm also betting on a asset that's going to line up with this team's timeline a little better. The Red Wings are a much better team. I think you can get more than a first for Dylan Larkin. It depends which first. Like if it's Montreal's first, yeah, you're, it's it's a first plus. But if it's like a legit bottom five team. I don't know. The Red Wings are better this year. I don't think they're going to win the lottery. And they're probably like you, with yeah. where they're going to finish in the but standings. The, the Red Wings, how good they are this year doesn't matter in this hypothetical. Why not? Because Larkin losing Larkin makes them worse. And then you're betting on the other team being bad. Yeah, that's, I get that. Because if you get rid of Larkin off this team right now, let's be honest. You got two top five picks in a Shane Wright lottery. I still got, uh, you know, I can't fat. I don't know. I, I, Larkin's my favorite player on this team. I do not want to see him traded. I do not. But if we're just looking at asset value. I think this is cause for a Patreon exclusive. It could be. Yeah. Like if you go on a real deep dive here, but either we way. We could have literally done it in the last one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Point being, I would rather give up older assets for Pedersen than future assets for Pedersen. Otto Kiven Mackey, is there any chance the little man ever comes to Detroit? I was always amazed by the skill he showed um, before the head injury. It seemed like he was coming back strong last year, but has fallen off everyone's lists. He's always been a long shot, and he's an even longer shot. Now, even at his peak, he was a low percentage guy. Uh, RC Tendy says, Brad, what do you think of 2022 prospect Phil McCracken? <laughs> Uh, I, have I actually him. didn't even know that one. That one. I said it out loud. I, went, oh, I have it. him only <laughs> slightly behind Barry McCockiner. <laughs> uh, real question. What's your best way to reheat pizza? You can't say microwave because that should be oven. illegal. Is this a joke? Yeah, it's oven. What else would you use? Also, cold pizza. If we're talking about flavor, yes, obviously. But like, if you're hung over to the point you're struggling to get out of bed, then, you know. It's just it cold. liquid. It just, you're just eating it cold. At that yeah. Point. <laughs> I would say cold over microwave. Um, but you know what? If someone needs it to be warm and they microwave on short notice, get some ranch or something to dip it in. Eh, it's fine. Uh, Kyle Karagitz uh, says, I was having fun. <laughs> reminded me or showed me how to pronounce the name. I was having fun listening to you mispronounce my name for weeks, but it was finally time to correct you. Also, onions are straight up car- garbage. Wow, Kyle, I'm going to start mispronouncing your name again. You know why onions grow underground? Because when God made onions, he or she looked at it and thought, no, this didn't come out right. I'll bury it and the humans will never find it. That's all. Let's go the reddest of wings. Absolute perfect take. 
Almost all vegetables grow in the ground. <laughs> and almost all of them are disgusting. Well, that's a, that is the least surprising thing <laughs> yeah. I've ever said. Yeah. You absolute actually, man child. It's the coldest of takes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I actually like a decent amount. Um, how do you feel about Brussels sprouts? Love them, actually. I don't get you. I don't know. That doesn't make, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. No. <laughs> they don't taste anything like onions, so. Uh, Matt S. is best fast food sh- location for burger, fries, nuggets, and shakes. For me, Wendy's for burgers and chicken nuggets, McDonald's for fries, and Arby's for shakes. I'll say, God damn, that's almost the perfect answer. I'll say McDonald's. I have not had a good French fry experience with them in 10 years. What? It's all over the place. The, the quality but is not there Me and there Catherine anymore. talk about this all the time when Dude. we get McDonald's, man. It is so literally hot or cold. Yeah. And it's more cold than hot. And when it's hot, they're dry and undersalted. Maybe it's just because I get it so infrequently, but like, no, nah, I will keep getting it. Like it, we, we, I can't give up my bad habits no. that quickly. Like we got it. We, we had McDonald's on Friday. Um, McDonald's, give us money, please. And uh, like, it's just a different thing every time. This time they were overdone, but like dry or like lukewarm or undersalted or like very obviously not enough oil. And you're like, I grew up eating the best French fries. You, you can are get. like going way too in depth on like fast food opinions you here. You have no idea how deep we... <laughs> I think Evan's the same. I'm a huge hard. fast food connoisseur. <laughs> I want Shake Shack and In-N-Out so bad. I've never had a, either of them. I, I wanted them. Shake on, honestly, I feel underqualified for this conversation. So, <laughs> That'll be yeah, the first take, time. Take, you are. <laughs> take their opinions over mine, but I agreed with the Wendy's McDonald's take. Yeah, you uh, you stayed in shape in the pandemic. You're absolutely underqualified for this conversation. I am a bag of sand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that there's a, if anyone ever wants like a Patreon exclusive, that's not even remotely hockey. Evan and I could tee off about, I would literally do a trip in America to try out obscure fast food. Like just across the country. Yeah. Like I like fast food when I do eat it. It's not like I'm repulsed or one of those, uh, I don't eat fast food. It's gross. Like, no, I'm not that guy. Like I understand it's delicious, but yeah, like you're getting to levels that I just never even think of. I'm like, oh, McDonald's fries, delicious. I don't care how salty they are. Fifty minute line to get Chick Fil A. The week you didn't. I was over there because of golf, and I had nothing else to do. Oh, you piece of shit! (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't my proudest. I was there suffering with other with other degenerates. Did you just, sorry, earmuffs for any children listening, but I just imagine you standing in this line. Everybody's quiet. Nobody's talking. At one point, you just turn around. Yeah, fuck you too, buddy. I was in my car. Thank God. No one can see me. Tinted windows are underrated. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Anyways. Oh. Helmhands says, I've been listening to this podcast for years, finally got a real job and figured it was time to support you guys. Helmhands, uh, incredible name, and thank you so much for the support. Perfect time for us to prove that everything about that statement, false. Uh, I'm a cop, so you guys make the time go by a little easier on the quiet nights. Keep up the good work. Hey, Brad's a cop too, <laughs> apparently. That is Brad's burner. Uh, and Pizza says, with all the defense or defense prospects in the pipeline, who are candidates for trades to bolster other positions in a five-year timeline? All of them except cider uh yeah i mean <laughs> potentially yeah I, i'm not encouraging it but any one of them depending on team's interest also uh when will we have a wind wheel podcast golf charity event stay tuned we got to get this first charity event on november 13th out of the way first uh we have one in november the game dummy winged wheel podcast. oh sorry i thought you meant a golf oh, yeah in november yeah bring out your long sleeves 
You're golfing. Uh, like, I legit believe Evan's going to golf around the morning of the event we're hosting at the game. I probably. played in November last year. I know. I, yeah. I remember. You, there was a tournament. <laughs> yeah, no, this wasn't an opinion I was basing off of, oh, haha, it would be funny. No, I knew. <laughs> I'm going to have a, co- a conversation with your club because if it's a tournament every weekend, it's not just a, it's not a tournament. You're just playing golf. <laughs> like, there's no, there's nothing. So are all the tournaments going on right now are to, are too ahead of my golfing ability because I suck now. I'm in one. I'm in the downswing of my golf ability right now. So I thought like golfers peaked at like 42. Like you're, I'm. I have completely lost my game. You look like you have. I, I, I don't know what that means. Catherine, I, we we played this morning and I li- we literally stopped golfing because I was playing so bad and I went home and did yard work. <laughs> That's how badly I didn't want to golf. We should take hold him to the on, doctor after on, this. Like. Are I wouldn't work the No, hold on, no. Pad. Like, but actually, for real, are, are you all right? <laughs> I was talk so bad, so bad that I stopped golfing and went home and did yard work. I'm very, I'm actually concerned. We should do a brain scan. It was so bad. <laughs> like, and I just maybe, become. Maybe stop dumping money into the house and invest in a therapist here, buddy. Yeah, I need a golf teacher instructor. <laughs> You sat in line for an hour at Chick Fil A, and you quit golf in the middle of it. Like, yeah, it was great. This is a this is too early for a midlife crisis, Evan. Yeah, Their dipping watching, sauces are good. Are we watching something happen here? I think this is something's not right. It's either I stop playing for like a week and a half, or I literally grind it out and play and practice every day. And I think I'll just stop golfing. I don't know. Why don't you uh, give me your car keys later? I'll uh, I'll drive you home. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you've been sidered. ACDC guitar solo says first question in your collective opinion uh, or experience, which caricature is more accurate uh, about the hockey himbos letter Kenny or goons letter Kenny a thousand percent. It is horrifying how accurate it is. Letter Kenny is more accurate. Goon is like a more of a caricature. Yeah. Letter Kenny is very real. Like I actually know the city that it's based off of, and I know the team, the Letter Kenny Irish is based off of. Like that's how accurate it is. Um, and granted, they eventually get a decent amount of playing time. What would be considered a successful win of a season for Z- Zadina, Cider, and Raymond? Zadina scoring twenty, at least twenty-ish goals. Give or take. Cider uh, playing the year with second line minutes. By, by the, the end, end of the year, he's over 20 minutes a night every now and then. Raymond, if he makes the team, I'm, that's a thrill. If I, he's lighting up the AHL, I'm happy. Even if he, Oh, yeah. Even if he doesn't play a game in Detroit. Um, Nick Amalfi says, hey, guys, what numbers do you think Raymond and Bergen will choose with the wings and Griffins? Raymond's 18 is taken by Stahl and Bergen's 48 is taken by Smith. What is it with Detroit and having the obscure numbers already taken? There was only two 52s in the entire league, and we had both of them at one point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Berger and I would – usually guys just flip it around, so I would assume maybe he goes with an 84. And I've seen Raymond wear 26 internationally, so I don't think anybody has that right now. Uh, Al Robbins says the Habs now have two first rounders for 2022, but either could go to Arizona depending on how the season slash lottery plays out. So they don't have a first to trade at the deadline if they are in a spot to make another playoff run. Is that protecting them from making a stupid trade at the deadline or just dumb asset management by Mark? Uh, no and yes. Yeah. Like I feel like both can be true. Yeah. 
both are like yeah I, is I, there like a stipulation of you can make the trade for whichever of the picks is not used by arizona or let's be honest it could just be a 2023 first yeah i wonder how you can work that in right like because you can have as many conditions on a trade as you want right Matthew Lynch says, what lines from the Wings and or the Griffins would you like to see this season that would be permanent moving forward to, de- to develop long-lasting chemistry? Um, Valeno Raymond Bergen. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever that happens. There's nobody else in Grand Rapids this year that I'm that invested in. Oh. Uh, at forward. We were supposed to let Evan answer first for this one. Too bad. I'm, I'm good. Evan remembering line combinations is a, honestly less likely than him leaving in the middle of a round of yeah, golf. Yeah, that's, that's not happening. I will not know that. Uh, Lars, the prophet of the Tower and Behemoth, says, greeting murderers of Scandinavian names. We may have some prospect problems brewing, uh, brewing in the land of Red Wings scouting prowess. So far in the season, both Lord Elmer and Niederbach have been used very sparingly by Coach Ronberg. Uh, in the latest game, Soderblom played just under three minutes and... Niederbach just over seven not great for development at what point is this a problem um if it happens over the course of the whole season yeah that's a problem this guy's playing a lot of minutes right now give it a month and if it's still happening yeah get them out of there because that is not beneficial in any way whatsoever on a positive note Edvinson continues to shine as he overcomes his average skating puck skills hockey sense and compete level <laughs> let's hope average Simon can overcome his deficiencies uh, you'll never walk alone and let's go Red Wings from Scarplinge reverse Uno card says who would you guys consider the top five second fiddle players around the league not considered the franchise cornerstone but the next best cheers and thanks for keeping me awake during my 4.30am commutes Mitch Marner Dry, Dry Settle and Marner are the two that immediately come to mind yeah um uh, Rantanen or Rantanen in Colorado. I would yeah. say probably Rantanen. McCarr. Yeah, actually, McCarr's probably the answer there. Yeah. Um, Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby, whichever one of them not that anymore, year. I would say. Like, Braden pro- Point, maybe? Well, who's the franchise Kucherov. player in Tampa? You have too many to. Yeah, that's from. true. Is it Hedman? Is it Kucherov? Hedman, Kucherov, uh, Vasilevsky. Yeah, I feel like those three are the ones that always get You could probably make all five of these just Tampa players, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Second, third, fourth fiddle. Uh, 6.1 million offended old man says Logan Brown wants out of Ottawa. What would you give up to get him? Imagine paying 6.1 million for a third line forward instead of giving their franchise defenseman and a sick ass goalie a deal. Man, pettiness is a drug. Also sweet deal for the 150 foot man, Philip Ronick. Glad I root for the caps and wings because I'd be more bad if I was a Canes fan. Uh, for Logan Brown, not much mid round pick. Philip Gasno says, I think you guys overrate the value of our first round picks in the next two years. We can always lottery protect them, and you never know who, uh, what you were going to get outside of the top few picks in the draft. Oh, I mean, that's a great point to pick. That, pick up that's that very, very true, but you can't lottery protect on an offer sheet, I don't think. And also, to be fair, if you're trading for a premium piece, it generally doesn't happen with lottery protection. Uh, Vaxed Emotional Support Himbo says, uh, yes, you did get your comment in in time. Says, enjoying the Habs, Canes, and the Five Yotes fans trying to slam each other on t- on Twitter. It's like watching puppies trying to lick peanut butter off the roofs of their mouths, though the Canes are dead to me until they get rid of TDA. Hopping on Large's comment, I'm also concerned about Niederbach and Soderblom's development. Honest question, would they be better served in Toledo or Mannheim? Not Toledo. No, ECHL is... Uh, I think technically as close to the league I play as it is to the NHL. So not great. Um, I don't know. Cause for a guy like Soderblom, I think there's more options because of the role he plays for a guy like Niederbach. 
I want him somewhere he's in the top six and playing lots of power play and lots of meaningful minutes and offensive role. If he's going to play seven minutes a night in Frolunda, I'd rather him in the OHL than there because he would play a huge role there. Um, I turned 39. 39. Wow, good for you, Joseph. You do not look 39. Um, this past Thursday, don't ever complain about being old. Age is relative, but glory is forever. Aussie for Hall of Fame. Stay fresh cheese bags. Ruthless and Toothless says, is it October yet? <laughs> We're, if, don't blink. We're getting there. Yeah. In <laughs> September. God. Can we not be those people who are amazed by calendars? I'm always amazed. I'm, I'm constantly <laughs> shocked. Brad, I like how as we get away from the world of hockey and just into personal lives, Brad is just shocked by how degenerate we are as people <laughs> that is surprising that he didn't realize that it's only been six years as if we don't have hard opinions on fast food man have you met us <laughs> uh frank the tank says evan what driver are you currently using i have a tailor-made uh m1 it's been my old faithful for a long time so i've never switched it up but i am chomping at the bit to go get an actual fitting because i'm watching master fitters fit people recently and they're gaining crazy numbers on their drivers and i feel like i have untapped ability there so i'm i'm in the market for a new one uh and then also made a reference to i think the netflix documentary with aj gallant as assistant gm is that a thing brad the dansbury thrashers aj gallant uh gallante yeah. yeah 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 he made a reference to that all right uh we are going to wrap this episode up thank you all so much for listening to the winged wheel podcast again midweek episode bonus episode coming for patrons um stay tuned for news on the tickets for the winged wheel podcast night uh our uh, partnered event with the detroit red wings uh more on that to come for now we'd like to thank all of our listeners our name level sponsors arjun shanker eves bartels on behalf of the sarah grand foundation uh kyle <laughs> Karagitz. i almost I'm very tempted to mispronounce it on purpose. Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry, Driver of Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong, Taylor Tagel, 6.1 million uh, offended old man, and pizza. Uh, Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam al Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, James, Jeremiah Dobo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacey Lynn, Stove Iser Plan, Joe Santangelo. Uh, you've been sidered ACDC guitar solo. Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, currently out of name ideas, Dave W., Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., new name level sponsor, <laughs> Fawn, uh, Dill My Balls. <laughs> I, Ryan Hanna, want to offer Fawn a warm, caressing welcome to the Dub Dub family. Trevor Pepivar, vaxxed emotional support himbo, Zach Handyside, Zach McCanna, driving range superstar. <laughs> you guys are lunatics. We'll see you. We'll see you midweek or next week. We'll see you. <laughs> 
Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.